From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Welcome back to Terra Informa. I'm Jason Wong. And I'm Sydney Carbonic. We'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news from across Canada and around the world. This week, we are diving down into our archives to bring you an aqua awesome piece from October. But before we dive into that, here come some environmental news headlines. On December 12th, the World Bank Group announced that over the next two years, they'll be discontinuing all investments from all oil and gas exploration and production projects. This was announced at the One Planet Summit, a summit dedicated to making commitments to the goals set with the Paris Climate Agreement two years ago. The website describes the summit goal as, quote, to identify and implement tangible solutions and mobilize public and private funding to enable large-scale deployment, including in the most vulnerable countries, unquote. The bank will continue to fund refineries as well as oil and gas transportation to consumers. Following the World Bank's announcements, other high-stakes investment organizations have announced that they will also be pulling their financial support of these extractive industries in the coming years. Canadian Environment Minister Catherine McKenna was also at these summits and seems to have set down some possible commitments. McKenna announced that there would be a Canada-France partnership coming forward, which included commitments to phasing out coal, carbon pricing, and sustainable development, just to name a few. On December 19th, the Government of Canada announced new regulations and strategies to combat the use of neonicotinoids, a pesticide that has been shown to have adverse effects of the ever-declining bee populations of Canada. It is important to note that the government has chosen not to ban the pesticides, but rather to just heavily regulate their use. Many environmental groups have pushed back, saying that these regulations are not enough. Have you ever wondered what the heck aquaponics is? Is it the same as hydroponics? And isn't that just some kind of high-tech way to grow pot? As it turns out, while there is definitely a relation to hydroponics, it has nothing to do with Mary Jane, although aquaponics systems do seem like a smoking good idea. This week, we are bringing you an archive from October, where Terranforma's Charlie Blay and Andrea Gallivan chatted with Edmonton-based designer and entrepreneur Jonathan Luckhurst, of Sea to Sky Aquaponics, all to give you the lowdown of this rad technology. My name is Jonathan Luckhurst, and I started a company. Uh, it's called Sea to Sky Aquaponics. Uh, I started it about a year and a half ago, and actually started it in uh, Squamish, PC, and have since uh, relocated back to Edmonton. I'm actually from here and spent a year on the coast and yeah now I'm back doing the same thing just different locations so the name Sea to Sky actually references the corridor the Sea to Sky corridor that I was living in cool oh Oh, that's really neat aquaponics is a sustainable uh, form of food production it combines aquaculture and hydroponics and what you're essentially doing in aquaponics is setting up a symbiotic relationship between uh, fish and plants Uh, So in essence, uh, the fish and plants help each other 
to uh, live and grow. And that symbiosis is orchestrated by something very important, um, bacteria. So there's two types of bacteria in an aquaponics system, nitrifying bacteria and heterotrophic bacteria. So uh, essentially what happens is uh, there's ammonia that's uh, excreted in fish's waste and nitrifying bacteria convert that ammonia first into nitrite and then to nitrate. And nitrogen is one of the uh, main macronutrients that plants need to grow. And uh, the heterotrophic bacteria actually physically break down the fish waste into the uh, entire spectrum of other nutri- micro and micronutrients that plants need. Uh, compared to uh, an aquarium that you might have at home, um, you often have to do water changes because of the high buildup of nitrates in the water. So what happens in aquaponics is the plants are taking that nitrate up, so they're in essence cleaning the water for the fish, so there's never any need to do a, a water change unless something bad happens <laughs> <laughs> quickly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So yeah. it's just a, it's a cycle. You can yeah, just kind of yeah, keep going. Yeah, exactly. So it's built so that it's a, uh, it's a, it's a closed-loop system, so yeah. any water that is in this system stays in the mm-hmm. system. So the reason it's uh, becoming fairly popular amongst people investigating sustainable agriculture is there's a, there's a really amazing water conservation rate, in part because mm-hmm. of what I just said about you know water in the system stays in the system. So if you compare um, uh, watering your plants outside, a lot of that water that goes into the ground goes elsewhere other than your plant's roots. So you end up using a lot of, of water in land-based agriculture compared to aquaponics. You can also grow a lot of plants per square foot with aquaponics because of what's called vertical growing. And that's in essence uh, a a design in which you have one grow bed stacked upon another and you can essentially go as high as you want if you have the infrastructure for that. Yeah, so as long as you have a a power source, essentially, you you can set up an aquaponics system in the far north, in the desert, in the city, you know, in places where traditionally uh, food production uh, wouldn't have been so easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the uh, the benefit of not having to ship your food vast distances, you know, so you get fresher produce and uh, you're cutting down on uh, things like fossil fuels. If you're growing year-round, you've got, uh, obviously, you've got to power your lights, but things are moving in a direction, hopefully, where we can start merging things like solar or renewable energies to, to power the system. That's awesome. Yeah. What is your connection to growing food? What sort of brought you to this passion? What brought me to this passion was actually another aquaponics company. It's called Nutriponics, and they're based out in uh, Sherwood Park. And I, through a very random connection, uh, it was actually my, uh, my friend's partner. He was a, he's a roofer. And a uh, little side note, I'm a, my background is as a visual artist. So it was mid-February, and I was strapped for cash. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I was speaking to my friend, and uh, we started talking about her partner. And uh, I said, hey, he's a roofer. Do, do you think he needs any help with anything right now? I need a bit of cash flow. <laughs> and I called him up, and he said uh, that he, he was going out to this farm out uh, of the city to put a roof on this warehouse. Neither of us knew too much about it. Um, we got out there and ended up putting uh, this uh, roof on this facility. And the time neither of us knew what aquaponics was so it basically went from there we turned up and we both got heavily involved into the construction of that facility it's a it's a massive facility they're uh, very much focused on uh, 
high-yield uh, commercial systems, so indoor growing on a commercial scale. Cool. So my focus is, uh, is more on the smaller educational systems for schools mm-hmm. at the moment. Uh, I've done some fun builds out in Squamish, too. I did a, a fun build for a, an engineering company last year that wants to develop uh, aquaponics sensors for um, systems, and uh, that was pretty fun. And um, also getting into living walls now um, and self-watering planters, which are essentially wicking beds. They're used in uh, permaculture quite a bit. And I'm doing a really fun uh, project right now. It's my most creative project to date. It's for uh, uh, the Vignettes Design Series. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's I think it's the second year running. Anyways, I'm doing this... It, this very cool like 10 foot by two foot portable bar thing with a fancy like countertop for it and I'm essentially building this thing with an aquarium and some planters and lights and things and yeah I'm gonna be able to combine a lot of my passions so fish plants um my visual art background uh design background and um carpentry background too it was uh one of my stints when I was uh Strap for cash was uh, finishing carpentry many years ago. So you're also an artist, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed on the uh, Sea to Sky Aquaponics website, it says art plus science equals aesthetics plus functionality. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm I'm sort of in the same boat. I, I like to combine art and, and science as well. And mm-hmm. I do a lot of illustrations for medical um papers and stuff. Um, do you feel that one of those ideas, art or science, dictates the other or um, one causes the other? Or is it sort of like a more of a cyclical? Uh, for me, it's just I, I place an equal emphasis on both. Um, I found that a lot of uh, aquaponics systems on a smaller scale were pretty plasticky and gross looking. And mm-hmm. I was inspired to make systems that looked really good that were not only functional, but people, uh, you know, might look at them and say, wow, that looks really beautiful. Or, you know, and I also find when you're dealing with schools, um, students engage, especially young kids, um, engage more when it's visually appealing, visually eye-catching, you know. I did this this event at the Amazing Agriculture in May, and it was held at the Expo Center, and it was uh, essentially uh, 30 classrooms, uh, grade four students, and every group of kids that came would immediately see the system I built, and they'd run towards and make, wow, what is this? <laughs> what is this thing? Wow, look yeah. at the fish, you know? So yeah, immediate, sure. like, connection, you know? And that, yeah. And, yeah, and that's partly because, you know, if you make things look really, quote-unquote, cool or, mm-hmm. you know, visually appealing, it's uh, my philosophy, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, there's no reason why things uh, can't look good as well as being functional, so... Okay, so besides, um, like, you, you already were talking about, like, the water conservation aspects of, mm-hmm. like, aquaponics, but uh, are there other environmental benefits uh, to aquaponics compared to conventional growing systems? Yeah, actually, so one of the things with aquaponics is just by very nature of the system, you can't add um, pesticides, for example, to the system because you automatically kill the fish. Fish are extremely... They're kind of wimpy. They're pretty sensitive to a lot of things. So uh, pesticides will kill the fish. So if you're growing anything, you know, whether, whether it be medical marijuana or, or vegetables, if you're eating or buying, purchasing something from an aquaponics system, you c- 
it's basically a, a, a guarantee that the uh, food you're consuming is free of any pesticide. Uh, another benefit is uh, you, you can't actually add antibiotics to the system for the fish, for example, um, which is a huge problem in fish farming, right? Because um, uh, if you do that, you're going to uh, you're going to kill the the bacteria in the system. So very interesting, yeah. Mm. Oh, and the other thing uh, relating to water conservation is, yeah, you don't have to do any. Uh, there's no need to ever do water changes, which is quite common with hydroponics. Mm. Is that the main difference yeah. between aquaponic? Well, I mean, aside from the fish aspect to it as well. Yeah, hydroponics. Well, both are uh, you know growing in water, uh, but uh, with hydroponics, you're actually um, you're adding nutrients that are not uh, coming from this very natural, like, organic breakdown of, of uh, organic waste. Okay, yeah. interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Actually, because that's um, when uh, Charlie was asking people, oh, do you know what aquaponics is? That was the, ba- the first connection they had was, like, like hydroponic weed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, yeah, when, like people, <laughs> when people ask me how my business is going, they always yeah. say, how's your hydroponics going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I say, it's aquaponics. It's different. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's, different. Yeah. it's very yeah. different. Yeah, I yeah. didn't I didn't realize that. but mm-hmm. um, there's, so, there's a lot of things in common. And actually, speaking of vertical growing, uh, a, lot, a lot of hydroponic farms incorporate this vertical uh, grow bed design, too. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So the grow beds, I saw some pictures, but just to give people like kind of like a visual, like they're sort yeah. of like almost like planters yeah well like, there's three there's different styles of grow beds right. um, that you can use so uh, most commercial farms will use what's called a deep water channel bed which is essentially a big raft of water about six to maybe ten inches deep mm-hmm. and on top of that water sits a, a one inch foam raft with holes in it and and uh, uh, seedlings are placed into those holes and the roots literally just hang in the water and um Another common type of grow bed used commercially is co- what's called nutrient film technique, and that's essentially um, one way to do it is to actually take a, a PVC f- uh, pipe, three or four inch, and you, you essentially uh, generate a thin stream of water along the base of that pipe, and um, you place uh, seedlings uh, into what's called a net pot, which essentially is uh, supported by the pipe. There's a hole cut into the pipe, and net pot su- is uh, suspended on the rim of those uh, of each hole and then the roots hang down into the water cool. and receive their nutrients that way. And then there's another type of uh, grow bed called a media bed, which is more not used in commercial systems so much. It's used more in um, hobby systems. Um, media bed will also perform multiple functions uh, aside from growing plants. It will uh, uh, that's where a lot of uh, what's called biofiltration occurs, which is essentially the conversion of ammonia to nitrate and solids filtration too. So it, it performs a lot of functions, whereas in a commercial system, you would get your biofiltration and your mechanical solids filtration from separate filters that do not grow plants. Mm. Cool. Okay. So that's what I use when I'm yeah. uh, designing my systems for schools is I use a, uh, it's what's called a, the acronym is CHOP system, so constant height, one pump. And uh, you essentially have water being pumped from your deep raft at the bottom, which also acts as your sump. And the water is pumped up to the fish tank, which is the highest point of the system. Uh, water then from there is literally just gravity fed back down to the uh, to the deep raft through via the media bed. So it goes into the media bed first, and. Uh, and the media bed is constantly filling and then draining through the action of a bell siphon. Cool. So, yeah. So schools really love aquaponics. I wanted to mention this, too, because uh, there's just so many hands-on applications of 
all the science subjects, so mathematics, mm-hmm. physics, chemistry, biology, you know, um, so bell cycles, you know, that's like, that's physics, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, flow rates, um, obviously, n- the nitrification cycle is a huge part of ecology, mm-hmm. um, you know, pH, and chemistry, um, all these things. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. And then, you know, yeah, they get like a visual, like hands-on kind of yeah, totally. experience with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But one I'm yeah. building for the school in Lamont, I'm building a system for Lamont High School right now. And uh, it was funny, I had one of the math teachers walked in the other day and he was super stoked about the mathematical applications. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas uh, um, my friend Carolyn, who's the foods teacher, um, doesn't care so much about math, but is obviously just really excited about the growing the food. You'd said about energy use um, being one uh, sort of negative, but are there any mm-hmm. other drawbacks to growing food this way? Hmm. Well, I don't think it's the most perfect solution. I think it's definitely part of the solution. Um, before I go further into that, um, one thing I wanted to mention is aquaponics is definitely most suited to growing leafy greens because of the high nitrates. Uh, there's a few things that don't do well in aquaponics, such as um, blueberries, for example. They love a really acidic soil. So the pH of your aquaponics system can't be really acidic. Um, it has to be more, sit around 6.5 to 7-ish because you have to make a compromise between the fish, the plants, and the, and the bacteria. You can grow fruiting crops um, in aquaponics, but again, they require much uh, heavier nutrient loads. So what I like to do is, is have an aquaponic system dedicated purely for leafy greens, and then uh, have a, my idea would be to then have a wicking bed or something to grow root crops mm-hmm. or fruiting crops, and literally just take water from the aquaponic system and use it to water my wicking beds. Could, because then you're essentially optimizing yeah. conditions uh, for, you know, kale, Swiss chard, whatever it is you're growing in your aquaponic system, and then also um, optimizing conditions for your tomatoes or cucumbers, whatever. Like for me, it's just more about um, getting everyone to think sort of in the direction of where we're at and with food production and where we need to go. So, you know, droughts are becoming pretty commonplace um, nowadays. Um, so, we have to start thinking about water conservation. One thing I don't like about aquaponics is that it uses PVC pipe, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, I guess, depending on who you talk to. But I, you know, obviously, the further you can stray from plastics, the better. Um, unfortunately, you can't use metal plumbing in aquaponics systems because uh, uh, metal is toxic for fish. But again, it's just more about, you know, it's part of the solution that we're all sort of thinking about. I think, and, and especially working with kids, you know. Uh, um, who knows what they're going to think of if they see something like this. You know, you just get them thinking about, you know, where we're at and where we need to go. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty valuable. And who knows, maybe there's an Einstein in yeah. one of those uh, They'll see an aquaponics system classes that's going to come, come up with up something. They'll come up with the next big, yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, who knows, right? Because, yeah. uh, you know, aquaponics is pretty uh, new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, farmers obviously have been growing, like, plants alongside fish for centuries. But in terms of like quote-unquote modern-day aquaponics. It's only been uh, since about the 90s that it's really sort of come into uh, our form of land-based agriculture, you know, um, commercial farming and things like that. So you're you're kind of doing it on an educational scale. Yeah, at the moment, yeah. 
do you hope to kind of maybe expand that to a larger scale in terms of um, like local industry or anything? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I mentioned Nutriponics and I actually um, hoping to work with them on some future commercial builds that they have coming up. They've got a really exciting project coming up in Whitehorse. Um, they've uh, there's a big farm coming commercial farm uh, using Nutriponics as uh, design and technology up there so um, there's potential for me to be involved in that uh, build I've got some commercial projects simmering myself uh, small scale uh, commercial projects uh, one in Squamish um, as well as one potentially in Pemberton there's an organic farm there that is really interested in getting into aquaponics Actually, it was through my, my educational um, aquaponics uh, in BC last year that I, I was doing some work with BC Agriculture in the classroom, which is a nonprofit there. And there was a farm out in Abbotsford that had connected with them, and they mentioned my name. And I've been speaking with them for a year. They have an organic blueberry farm in Abbotsford, and they're really interested in how they can use uh, fish waste to supplement their fertilizer for their blueberry crops, as well as how they can... Uh, get into aquaponics um, and the owner of the farm is from India and he's got some pretty amazing sounding connections overseas and not only in India but in uh, Dubai so uh, they're talking about uh, bringing some smaller scale farms to uh, those uh, to the Middle East and to India so I'm definitely uh, going to be working with them on uh, whatever comes there so yeah Neat. but That's I'm awesome. just open to you know whatever yeah. Yeah. comes you know it's uh uh, like I said, I'm uh, I'm wanting to get into some other things now, like living walls and. Is there a living wall in the airport? Is that an actual? Yeah, there is, is that? Yeah. 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 Okay. It's pretty big. Do you know the people that did yeah. that? Yeah, one? I think that one was done by a company, a local company called Green Jeans, I believe. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I always see people I, people taking pictures by. They're pretty amazing. Like, yeah. Right Whenever yeah. I go, I always like make a point to go like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta look because yeah. yeah, it's Touch really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty easy to set up compared oh, really? to aquaponics, so it's yeah. just essentially you have a. You have a, a, a trough with water with a pump on a timer, and it pumps the water up to the top. Uh, it's usually like a they use like a felt uh, media to hold the plants, and the water just drips down and percolates down back to the trough and recirculates. Cool. So yeah. And can you go f- yeah. food yeah. with living walls as well? Yeah. 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 yeah actually, um, that's another. My first living wall project is with a uh, nonprofit in Red Deer called Rethink Red Deer. I just connected with them recently, and they want a uh, a little living wall prototype uh, made um, that's going to be that will be used for growing like, uh, vegetables. That's yeah. awesome! Cool. So, yeah, so yeah. many different ways you can take yeah, it. Like different yeah, different yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have a living wall in your kitchen and just like yep. snip basil off of it. Yes. Cool. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add or talk about? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Or um, pitch? I don't know. Like, if there's something you want to... I would like to get. pitch Dustin Bajer. <laughs> uh, you guys probably know him. Um, Do you know him? No. Okay, he's like he's known for bees and uh, beekeeping in the city, and he just seems like a very... I just uh, met him recently, started connecting with him in the last year and a half or so, but, um, yeah, very cool guy, um, up to a lot of cool things. Um, he's also... Uh, he was... Uh, he was a teacher at, uh, I think it was Jasper Place High School. He did an aquaponics project there. And, um, yeah, he's just up to a lot of um, <clears throat> really cool things with sustainability and permaculture. 
uh, you guys should interview him. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we cool. did too. for us. Yeah. yeah, I like it. We did a permaculture, uh, or it was an archive a little bit, a little while back, so maybe we'll have yeah, to Yeah, when we were talking about, like, up. revisiting it. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I yeah. guess, like, I have a question just of curiosity. It might mm-hmm. be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. So with vertical farming, so yeah. you, like, are stacking the systems, like, on each other. Yeah, the grow beds, one on the top grow of beds. the other. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. So and the fish tank is work? always, you know... Like underneath. Yeah, there's one fish right? tank and, and then and like the grow beds can be or some, it's like Lego. Yeah. Think of okay. it like Lego. You, yeah. can, you can design it any way you want. Cool. Yeah. And as then high or as wide, whatever. But for like sunlight, like how do the yeah. plants do they need sunlight? Oh I see. yeah, no no, totally. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so vertical yeah, really good question. So yeah, vertical growing uh design is definitely more attuned to um a design where you're using artificial lighting, like LED lighting or something. Right. Because you're of right. Course. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah. if you've got like 20 grow beds stacked on uh, one one another, then yeah. you're not really letting in a lot of light. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're getting a lot of side light or something. Yeah. But um, yeah. Um, so you'd a lot have of, like artificial lights like built yeah, in. Yeah. So okay. a lot of those vertical farms are like highly controlled and everything is like dialed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that makes sense. So it's uh, so, but there's a lot of aquaponic farms that are just you know set up in greenhouses, but they're mm-hmm. generally just like single layer. Right. You know? Okay. So then you're getting that around. makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was just trying really to picture question, it, and I'm actually. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't know. Yeah. I would yeah. like to. I I like the <laughs> idea, obviously, of like growing plants with sun. I uh, I'm trying to figure out if there's a way where you can uh, have a vertically designed system, um, in a greenhouse where you're getting a lot of natural light. And then supplementing with artificial light and how I'm just curious if there's anyone who out there who knows about um, if that's somehow thrown off the light levels to an extreme amount or something or how the plants are reacting. Because I know, like, right. again, like with this vertical farming, you, you know, I, it's like 16 hours of light with LED and then the lights go up sort of thing. And then it's, it's a very controlled sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But cool. I definitely like the idea of greenhouses. Yeah. We all yeah. like being in the sun. I know I feel <laughs> if I haven't been in the sun for a while. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure plants don't. Yeah, LED lights don't do it for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I have another question for you. Okay. Do you would uh, varying like the fish species would that cause like have you played around with that at all and because would the microbes change? I guess what they break like what the products break down to are the same, but mm-hmm. I'd be curious to know. Yeah, um, well, you can lose, you can use a lot of different types of fish with aquaponics: goldfish, koi, um, tilapia is a really is probably the most common type of fish that's used if you're a farmer who wants to uh, raise fish for consumption. Um, so you can, can you eat the tri- fish in your system? Yeah, as like if well as yeah, exactly, and that's oh. why actually with nutriponics, actually, um, they're. One of their big things is they want to like raise fish in a, a sustainable fashion. Um, so they're just as much focused on on, on fish as they are plants, um, and they're using tilapia at the moment. But you can use trout too. You can use uh, there's a farm out on Vancouver Island that's using trout. Yum. Um, <laughs> catfish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Nice. Oh, that's mm. really neat. Yeah, I didn't realize you could eat both parts. Yeah, I use goldfish <laughs> for my educational systems. Yeah. Because they're cute. They're and cute, familiar. Cheap. Yeah, <laughs> Not like cheap the $100 yeah. koi's that you yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. If you want to hear even more stories like that, check out our website at terrainforma.ca. And while you're there, look for the survey tab in the menu. 
We would love to get to know you, our listeners, and what you enjoy about our show. Your input can influence the content we gather over the next year. Speaking of the upcoming year, do you have a New Year's resolution to tell stories about multifaceted environmental topics and or be on the radio? If you answered yes to either of those things, you should consider joining our team. If you didn't answer yes to either of those, you should still consider joining our team. For more information about that, check out the About Us tab on terraforma.ca. And that's all the time we have for this week's show. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 territory. If you have questions or comments, send us an email to terra at cjsr.com or tweet it at Terra Informa. Visit us at terrainforma.ca and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks this week to our contributors Amanda Rooney, Charlie Blay, and Carter Korzitza. We've been your hosts, Jason Wong and Sydney Carbonic. Catch you next week. <laughs>